0: Hey everyone I hope that you're doing well Today I'd love to explore another language family with you The Iranian languages But before we dive into it Let's get cozy here I've prepared some hot water and my winter night tea. So we'll let that steep for a while. Let's light a candle. Europe and Asia We've looked at quite a lot of languages by now Here in the north we've looked at Turkic languages and its connections or potential connections to, for example, Mongolian We've looked at the Semitic languages, which we would find here the Slavic languages in Eastern Europe, the Finno Ugric family, and of course Germanic, Italic, and Celtic languages. Here in Central Asia, we have one of the Eastern families of the Indo-European tree And a language family that's been hugely influential across the entire region You might know these languages as Iranian Or sometimes they're also referred to as Iranic Sort of similar to the differentiation between German and Germanic Turkish and Turkic So some scholars suggested using Iranic for the entire family Here on this map we have Iranian languages And if we talk about names There are also different verbs for the most famous of the Iranian languages Right here we have persish or persian you might also know it as farsi and well i guess i wouldn't be surprised if you ran into a source that talked about iranian just meaning uh, persian so before we get into detail let's zoom out a bit like i said this is part of the eastern branch of the indo-european tree The entire branch is called Indo-Iranian So we have the Iranian part here and then Indo, you might have guessed that, continues here towards India Um, The Indigo-Indo-Aryan tree is actually the bigger one of the two There are about 800 million speakers with something around 200 languages So pretty impressive The branch includes Hindi, Urdu, Bengali, Punjabi And you've probably also heard of Sanskrit which was one of the important languages when people developed this theory of the Indo-European tree There's another smaller branch, which is Nuristani which you can find in Pakistan and Afghanistan with about 130,000 speakers, so much smaller and the Iranian branch has something between 150 and 200 million speakers with in total about 80 languages We can't go into detail on all of them We'll just have a look at these four larger ones listed here and we'll have a look at the history Proto-Iranian dates from probably something like 4,000 years ago and was found not too far from this area, a little further north so in the Eurasian steppe, somewhere between Russia and Kazakhstan From there, these Proto-Iranians migrated towards the Iranian plateau, Central Asia but also west, towards southeastern Europe so the area here The important developments, however happened here in this area One of the oldest forms of the language is Old Iranian or I should say, there are numerous versions of the language We know of Old Persian which was written in cuneiform script and we know of Avestan which is sometimes um, distinguished into older and younger which might sound like they are sort of two forms of the same language but in fact they're just different dialects from different regions and not that far apart in terms of age and Avestan is an important language because it was the liturgical language of Zoroastrianism, That was the predominant religion here in this area for hundreds and hundreds of years and probably also influenced Judaism, Christianity, especially early forms with Gnostic texts you might have heard of that. You might also be familiar with some names from Zoroastrianism if you've like me, played Prince of Persia. There's the Ura, who are helpful, and there's uh, Aruman, who's sort of the personification of evil. Um, I played a lot of Prince of Persia a couple of years ago, and actually, I wanted to take a Farsi course because of it, but didn't get very far. Either way, Soriastrianism is still alive today and still practiced, but probably something like 120,000, 130,000 people. So a very, very old religion that you can still find in different parts of the world, notably in India, where a lot of people migrated to. The height of the Persian empires, however, came a bit later, during the period of Middle Iranian. So that's from about 2,500 years ago, to the Islamization in the 8th, 9th century It's the time of Alexander the Great, came from Greece the time of the Sasanian Empire and that's where we take a little look at another book It's time for our book of scripts here like I said, Old Iranian was written in cuneiform script but that changed by what is called the Middle Ages here Basically we're talking about the time of Alexander the Great when the Greek letters came into the area and then here around uh, 250 um, before Christ we have a huge empire, which over about 500 years extended all the way to the Indus so we're talking um, Bulgaria, Libya, all the way to the Indus so a huge, huge empire and from that time we have some coins Bechlevi coins and Parsi coins and you can see the inscriptions that were used at the time so here, for example, for an L all kinds of different forms or for an R quite similar, these two. there's an S etc. <laughs> this here, then, is the Pahlavi script. Or sometimes also written with an A, Pahlavi. This was the prestige language of the courts. It's a form of Persian, a specific dialect. And the script that was used is a little difficult. This one was derived from an Aramaic script. you might remember, Aramaic is a Semitic language that was the lingua franca of huge parts of antiquity, particularly in the Levante, Central Asia, those kinds of regions. Now it says here that deciphering and translating from the script is quite difficult because it says here it's schwer zu lesen, that the Zeichen verschiedener laute sehr ähnlich, ja sind. So it's difficult to read because the symbols for different sounds are very similar, and sometimes even the same I find it quite fascinating the kinds of sounds that are being um, deciphered here M H M M N I'd love to hear what that actually sounded like I'm wondering if maybe some vowels were left out It might well be possible The fascinating part here is that this is It's Pahlevi, but it's a mix of Aramaic and Persian So this is a form that was exclusively used to write and it mixed both languages so it's not something that was spoken but rather something that had a lot of prestige and would have been used in very specific circumstances and another script from the Middle Iranian period is this one here the Zend-Avesta Schrift now I mentioned this earlier, Avesta, and I said this is the language of Zoroastrianism. But there was a language from the old Iranian period, and we are here in the Middle Iranian period, and only at this point was the script developed. Now the reason for that is that Soriastrianism didn't have a book unlike Judaism, unlike Christianity or Islam There's no book here that sort of functions as the basis for the religion All of the texts are being learned by hearts everything from the words to the intonation so how you specifically recite them which was very important and part of prayer and there wasn't actually time during a prayer to look up a specific um, specific phrase or, or any page in a book however, at this point the language was not well understood anymore because it was quite old and the way people were talking had developed in the meantime so they developed the script to add annotations to their liturgical texts basically there was a need for commentary and they added them with these symbols and it's written from right to left. And of course, you can imagine for scholars this is a fantastic source to look into the language at the time. With Islamization, Persian eventually adopted the Arabic script Of course, with some changes as there are some different sounds in the two languages But this is how Persian has largely been written ever since And of course, Persian also lost a bit of its prestige at the time in favour of Arabic on the one hand but there were also other languages that were gaining in importance maybe you think of Turkish in the Ottoman Empire or in southeastern Europe where Slavic languages were taking the place of former Persian languages nonetheless Persian persisted and still carried a lot of prestige it really influenced the language of the Ottoman Empire and it was also used in the Mughal Empire and during this, during the Middle Ages basically there are some really important books written in Persian for example Hishamani by Fardowsi known as the Book of Kings an epic poem they were so important that it kind of laid the foundations for new Iranian. And another author that you might have heard of is Humi or Jalal ad-Din Hoomi from the 13th century. He was a Sufi or mystic. And he is pretty popular. It's been said that he is one of the most read authors of the Middle Ages Which is quite impressive There are many different versions of his poems I'm not always sure how close they are to the original But apparently if you want to read Rumi in the original, it's not too difficult Persian is relative, or relatively (laughs) close to English in terms of its grammar I'm saying relative if you compare it to, say, Turkish, for example or Arabic and the grammar might seem at least a little bit familiar so it's easier to learn than a language that is not related at all right, but let's have a closer look at this map here So, the dark purple parts here are Persian in different dialects, as with any language but you can see that especially in Iran Persia is very common It extends here into Afghanistan And in all the books, you might see this listed as, um, for example, Afghan-Persian Today it's known as Dari This is one of the two official languages of Afghanistan, which we have here And about half the population use Dari as their first language and also as a lingua franca it's of course centred around the Kabul dialect but all in all, it's not too different from the Persian of Iran the word Dari, by the way, means court language or of the court and it's a dialect that has a long history just like Farsi, just developed in a different part of the region and the word Dari, forward language, was adopted in 1964 so there's quite a lot of older books that might still use Afghan Persian and then here is the Afghan border to Tajikistan and you see that the purple parts here extend further north into Tajikistan This language is sometimes also known as Persian as Tajik Persian The official name for the language these days is Tajik It's an official language in the region Unlike the Persian of Iran and Afghanistan it's been more strongly influenced by Russian and also by Turkic languages like Uzbek On the other hand, though, it's also quite conservative in some regards Partly because there are people who live sort of tucked away in the mountains Which usually means that the language is a bit more preserved in old archaic forms And this is a language that's been promoted a bit more since the fall of the Soviet Union there's been more publications since then so I've seen a bit of an uptake, which is a good thing if we briefly come back to Iran here Persian is the official language of the country it's the first language of about 65% of the population and you also find a couple of other languages in the area. For example, um, Azeri or the Turkic language of Azerbaijan, further up here, which of course is not related to the other varieties of the Iranian languages. And you also find the Kurdish languages. You can see them here purple and pink and also here the the dark red ones for the different dialect groups of the Kurdish languages we have them here the northern one, which is also called Kurmanji, the central, Surani, and the southern one There are two other languages spoken by Kurdish people Zaza and the but they are not part of that same group of languages so they are Iranian part of this language family but not related to Kurmanji, Surani, and South Kurdish The Kurdish languages have between 30 and 45 million speakers a number of those live abroad in the diaspora and it's quite noticeable here that these speakers are spread out across numerous countries across Turkey, Syria, Iraq and Iran Initially, when the Ottoman Empire broke apart the Kurdish people were supposed to have their own state but that was never realized so instead they live in many different countries in some countries the Kurdish languages have been recognized for example in Iraq it's an official language on a national level in Iran it's been recognized on a regional level but in Turkey there's been quite a lot of repression when it comes to the Kurdic languages it's been getting a little better in recent years but for example for a long time you were not allowed to write in the Kurdish alphabet Um, you could not use it in education or in parliament nonetheless the northern variety is the one that has the greatest number of speakers and is in a process of standardization the central one, Surani, is the one that's a standard in Iran so that's this corner here and we also have some Kurdish speakers here in this corner If we're looking back to the other side of the map we have two more languages here In the south, here in green we have the Baluchi language And this looks like a huge area, but there are about 9 million speakers, so in comparison there's not too many people living here very thinly populated area of Iran and there's actually not too much I can tell you about Baluchi because there's not much information but it was a language that was not written until the 19th century so it was an oral language um, exclusively and the greatest number of speakers today live in Pakistan. And then finally here, this orange part. Coming back to Afghanistan. And to the second official language of the country. Central north we have and then more in the south, we have Pashto Estimations are that there are between 40 and 60 million speakers and again, roughly half the population of Afghanistan but it's generally a bit difficult to find um, information on the number of speakers in Afghanistan, as you can imagine one interesting aspect, though, is that there's a theory that Pashto might have descended from Avestan, so the language of Zoroastrianism. It's not uh, fully proven, but I think it's a quite interesting thought. And then, of course, that there are a number of other smaller languages, like here in yellow we have Machi all the way here in this remote corner of Afghanistan, and across the border people who still live nomadically there are also some parts, it's not very easy to read here, but these languages, it also says winter and summer, so you have an indication that people move with the seasons and take their language with them. It's a really beautiful language. In terms of sounds. Is definitely one of my favorites. And I think it's an interesting region with plenty of history to explore. I hope you enjoyed this and maybe there was some new info in there for you. I'm going to enjoy my tea now and maybe have a cookie with. And I'll see you again next week.